Oh my goodness. Y'all ready for some fun today? I cannot wait to get into this word. Again, hey, big welcome to everyone joining us online. Hey, if you're here with us now, stick with us to the end of the service today. I'm pretty sure God's going to speak to you and do something powerful in your life if you give him the chance. You guys look good in house today, though. Look at y'all looking good on this fine summer day. My goodness gracious. Um, hey, in case y'all didn't know, there was a little bit that happened on Friday. I don't know if y'all saw that, but it's official. Roe versus Wade has been overturned by the Supreme Court. That's a huge deal. It's a huge deal and a big step towards protecting our unborn uh, in this country. Um, now, I know, I know a lot of people are on either side of the fence on this issue. It's a hot topic in our country today. So, um, while it's a big victory, I would think, for the unborn, and a lot of people in church are going to be celebrating this, uh, I wanted to take a couple of minutes before we get into the message and just walk through a couple of things on this. Because listen, I don't know if you turned the news on, but people are losing their minds out there right now. Uh, I don't know if you've driven through Atlanta. There are protests everywhere. Protests everywhere. And it's interesting to me right now that you're seeing a lot of anger and a lot of pushback happening from uh, certain sectors of the community towards the church. The church didn't go to the Supreme Court and tell the justices what to vote. The decision that they made was not made on religious merit. Okay, I just want to say that you'll need to know this because I promise you it's going to come up at work. Okay, so I want to take a couple of minutes just as a pastor before we get into the word and just I want to equip you a little bit to deal with what you're going to be walking into if you haven't experienced it already. Myself, I've already been called every name in the book since Friday. Um, I've been I've been getting hate messages and emails and uh, some text messages. Um, Facebook has not been friendly to me when I post things here lately. I've had to delete, delete, delete. That's the beautiful thing about Facebook. Man, you can, I can post stuff and you can comment all you want on my page. And I just got this one little button I can push and I can make you go away. All, and it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful to have peace. I just don't give a flying rip what people say. I'm going to stand on the truth of the word of God. But you can do that without being a jerk. You know what I mean? You can do that without being harsh or mean. You can stand on what you believe and do it in love and be immovable in that. So you're going to see a lot of pushback, especially as a Christian, as you walk around carrying the banner of Jesus, which you should, at your everyone on your job site should know what your faith is. Everyone in your family should know what your faith is. So you're, you're probably going to get called some names. And you know what? That's okay. Let them call you some names. You're probably going to have some mean things said to you over the next few weeks and months. Let them say it, okay? Let them say it. And you just smile and know where it's coming from. And praise God that you have the opportunity to take a little bit of heat for standing in his name, okay? Um, but, but to clear up some things, uh, the church didn't vote on this. The Supreme Court voted on this, and it was not on religious merit. It was voted on because they felt it was a constitutional overstep to legalize it at a federal level and take the power away from the states. And so what they did was they put the power back to the states to make up their own mind on what they want to do with this issue of abortion. And it should be that way. should be that way. Uh, personally, I would love to see it eradicated. That's just my opinion. 
and I believe biblically that's correct. But here's what I know. You're going to see a lot of fuss and a lot of arguing, and the dust is going to settle, and some states are going to ban it, and some states are going to allow it wide open. Some states are going to do what they feel like taking a moderate approach to it and not completely wiping it out, but just dialing it back a little bit. Um, you'll see all of that happen uh, and, and, and all of that settle as a result of this. Here's the deal, and this is huge. Okay? With this being taken out of the hands of the Fed, okay? uh, and I'm just all in favor of the government getting the heck out of our business anyway, you know what I mean? Um, so I believe we've got the, we have a brain, we can choose to do things on our own, we can make our own decisions in life, and we can govern ourselves. God created us to be self-governing people. So anyway, um, with this rescinding of the federal control over it, programs are going to be canceled. Um, you're going to see uh, money that was going to um, social projects disappear from a federal level. What this is going to do is create a vacuum, as it were, for um, support and help for moms walking through these issues in their lives or women walking through these issues. It creates a beautiful opportunity for the church to step into the community and meet that need with the women in our community. Okay? Get the government out and let the church come in and take care of and love and provide and do all the stuff that the church should have been doing anyway before the government stuck its nose in the place that the church was doing well in. Okay, let the church come. If we, if we don't get distracted by all this talking and all the emotion and all of this stuff and we just stand on the word, we have a great opportunity on the other side of this as the church to be relevant like never before, to meet needs like never before. I'm telling you, we've got a great opportunity to shine for Jesus in this country through this. And that's how it should be. Shame on us if we're only against abortion and not step up and to meet the needs of hurting women in our country. That's what Jesus would do. He would say no to the sin, but he would meet the need. And so that's what we're going to do. Uh, we'll do the, our best as a church, but I think if you see the church do that, it's going to make a huge impact in our country. Here's what a lot of people don't know. Here's what you're going to hear over the next few weeks and months, and I'm, I'm already taking longer than I wanted to on this, but here's what you're going to hear. What about women who have been raped? What about victims of incest? What about women whose lives are in danger and we're having to choose between the child and the mom in the delivery room where the, the, the pregnancy becomes complicated and in order to save the mom, the pregnancy needs to be terminated. Those are the talking points that you're going to hear and that's the driving force behind a lot of this emotional push that you're seeing right now. Um, people that, I'll be honest with you, are fairly uneducated are responding emotionally to an issue that they have very little grasp of. It's what you're seeing right now. So, uh, women who have had an abortion in the past because of rape um, statistically represents... Now, listen to me now. All this argument, you would think it was 75, 80% of the women going in for this legitimate reason in their minds. 1%. 1 statistically. 1% was because of rape. Okay, now, here's the other thing. With regard to incest, all right, we're in the South. Everybody knows what that is, right? All right, 
you don't drive by Arkansas, you'll see it. Um, I'm having fun with you to cut, the, cut a tense moment here. Uh, so 1%, 1% for rape. Incest, they say, statistically represents about, listen, 0.05, or 0.5, sorry, um, half a percentage. Half a percentage, statistically, of women that went in for an abortion um, was, was because of incest. So you've got 1% because of rape, half a percentage because of incest. And then with mothers who are at risk, I may be off on this. It's either 0.026 or 0.028, something like that. Basically, it's right around one quarter of 1% of women find themselves in a situation where they're at risk. Okay, so you're talking statistically less than 2% of all women statistically now that have had an abortion, have had an abortion because of what the banner, the banner talking points are for this argument right now on the backside of it. Understand? Over 98% of people, or women rather, that have had an abortion have had it basically out of convenience because they did not want to deal with the consequences of having sex and becoming pregnant. And you'll hear them shout about their right to choose. And ultimately, we all have the right to choose one way or the other. But we're going to be held accountable to the Word of God for it. So um, when you hear all of these talking points, understand the deception that's involved in it. Now, I'm not saying that women who have been raped um, are not worthy of compassion. I'm not saying that in, uh, victims of incest are not worthy of compassion. Right? Absolutely, they're worthy of compassion. Um, when a mother is at risk in a pregnancy, the choice isn't, see, this is the deception. The choice isn't, um, I'm going to go ahead and kill the baby. The choice is to save the mother's life in that moment. You know, it's a difficult decision to make. But it's a very small percentage, statistically, of the larger group. But it's what gets talked about the most in the argument. So don't buy into that talking point. Okay, I want to make sure that you're equipped. Now, you've got some numbers to be able to have a discussion about this on. Um, but at the end of the day, abortion, listen now, is not illegal in our country. Okay? It is just not operating at a federal level. It will now be in operation at a state level. But the big takeaway from all this that I've said is this. People are going to try to blame you. And they're going to try to blame me for all that praying that we did, I'm sure. And praise God that God answers prayer. Amen? Listen, let it roll right off of you like you're made out of Teflon. Okay? Have some thick leather skin and let it roll right off of you. Because if we come through this looking good, we have got the opportunity on the back end to minister to countless millions. Don't let the enemy catch you up in the whirlwind of emotion that's happening right now. Okay? Keep your focus. Stay in prayer. Love people. Don't back off of your conviction, but speak the truth. You stupid Christians, if you... Hey, we didn't have anything to do with the decision. That was the Supreme Court, baby. It was ruled unconstitutional. You know what? If you want to have an abortion, you can go to a state that's going to approve it. More power to you. It's just not going to happen at a federal level now. Well, what about all the funding that women needed? Well, it's not there from my tax dollars or your tax dollars anymore. But watch the church step up and meet the need. You know what I mean? So, so this is a great opportunity. All right? Having said all that... Um, I think we should be celebrating. I think it's a big, a big, big deal. And uh, 
I think it is a good lead-in to what we're talking about today with regard to worship and spiritual warfare. So if you will, go with me in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews, chapter 13. Let's talk a little bit about worship and spiritual warfare. Your Bibles, your devices, tablets, whatever you got. Um, if you go and look on the YouVersion Bible app, all the notes for today's message and the scriptures will be on there for you as well. Um, man, if there was ever a time for the church to be operating wisely in the arena of spiritual warfare, it is today. One of the most powerful weapons we have in spiritual warfare is our worship. It does so much. It does so much for us. Hebrews uh, chapter 13, verse 15, it says, Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. How many of you this morning would proclaim your allegiance to Jesus? Yeah, me too. He is my Lord. He is my Savior. He is my everything. And because he is, his praise is always going to be on the tip of my tongue. More importantly, my whole lifestyle is going to be an act of worship to him and everything I do because of what he's done in our lives. And God's very particular about how he wants us to worship him and praise him. Um, actually, he gives us some, some great uh, some pointers in, in Scripture. In Psalm 95, 1, he, said, he tells us he wants it like this. He says, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. I love that it says make a joyful noise to the Lord. Because your boy can't carry a tune in a bucket. I'm just, anybody else out there, that's our verse in Scripture. People can sing, pretty baby, I can make a joyful noise like nobody's business. I'll out joyful noise, you're pretty singing any day of the week. You know what, I, I can do this. Joyful noise, joyful noise. He was thinking about us when he wrote that. I can make a joyful noise. You can hit me with key changes. I'll hit so many keys, you won't know what key we're in, but I'll be making a joyful noise to the Lord. Be, what is he saying? I think he's in the key of W. I don't know. What's W? What is he singing? That's what W is. What in the world is going on? So um, Psalm uh, 134, verse 2, is another good one. It says, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. Why are you guys always raising your hands? Well, the Bible commands us, lifting up our hands in the sanctuary, showing praise to God. Lifting up your hands is a sign of passion. If you're at a football game and your team scores a touchdown, what do you do? You're going to jump up, shout, boom, hands up in the air. Y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. Why? Because you're excited about what's happening. You're celebrating what's happening. And I'm telling you, we ought to be excited about what the Lord's done in our lives and celebrating that. Um, lift up your hands in the sanctuary. And praise the Lord. Psalm 47 1 says, Come everyone, clap your hands. Shout to God with joyful praise. And when you read all of that, you kind of catch a pattern with how God wants us to praise Him. He doesn't want boring praise and worship. He wants passionate praise and worship. He wants us moving, clapping, lifting up hands, shouting praises. Even if we can't carry a tune in a bucket, he says, go ahead and open up your mouth and praise me and let me know that it, he, he wants us in it. Why? Because he wants all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength, lifting up praise to him with all that we are, giving him praise. That's why he wants us praising him this way. And and listen, he gives us this instruction so that we can have passionate praise because he understands how powerful praise and worship is to us. 
We lift up praise to God, but when we lift up praise to God, he pours so much more back out on us in his presence when we're praising him. So much is happening on a spiritual level as we're praising the Lord. And it scares the enemy to death. You know, we've got an enemy out there, right? Okay. The enemy's opposition, the enemy's opposition is to put a lid on your worship. To distract you so that you don't have a worship mindset or a heart of worship. Because he knows how powerful your worship is. And he knows that your worship can keep him in check. He's scared to death of it for a lot of different reasons. Now, we have this enemy, and I'll go ahead and read uh, Ephesians 6 to you. Verse 12 is a great breakdown of what's really happening. Um, it says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. I got news for you. Very little happens in the physical before it happens in the spiritual. All of this that you're seeing happening in our country right now, listen, it's the fruit of the influence of the enemy. Well, how can you say that about those people, Pastor Josh? Because they're acting in contradiction to the Word of God. The enemy is always going to land you in opposition to the Word of God every time. And the spirit with which they're attacking the churches right now, it's crazy. Churches are being vandalized. These people don't know these people from Adam. And they're vandalizing the churches. Why? Because the outrage of what's happening. They've got, they've, got to, they've got to put it on something. So they're blaming Christians and the church right now. Um, but the enemy's busy at work. And he wants to do a lot of stuff in our lives. Listen, Satan is not your friend. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his mission. Okay, he's not your friend. doesn't matter how pretty he makes it look. He is not your friend friend. He wants to take you out. And here's some of the goals of the enemy. Um, here's some stuff that Satan wants to do. Uh, Satan, he wants to keep you in your past. Now, if you'll notice, we write Satan with a lowercase s here because we don't want to give him any respect at all. So he's a little s Satan because he's a little bitty angel in a whole lot of trouble, but he's very good at what he does. And if you're not careful, he'll get you. He'll get you. He wants to keep you in your past. He wants to keep you caught up with who you used to be before Christ. Because if he can do that, then you'll never be effective and productive. He wants you to be focused on present struggles. He wants to keep you focused on present struggles. He wants to keep you relying on yourself instead of on the power of God. And, and lastly, Satan wants to keep you from your identity. That's what he wants to do. And he's busy trying to make that happen. He wants to keep you from your identity because he is scared to death of the potential that is inside of you. And if you catch a glimpse of who the Bible says that you are, oh my gosh, you become an unstoppable force in this world for the kingdom of God. And it scares him. So he's busy trying to deceive us. He's busy trying to deceive us. And I want to go to the book of Second Chronicles and just pull out some principles that will help us with regard to worship, particularly during spiritual warfare. I mean, you would say you've experienced some spiritual warfare in your life. Yeah, me too, times about a thousand. I feel you on that. Second Chronicles chapter 20, starting in verse 1, we're going to read the story about this dude named Jehoshaphat and the what the Lord did. 
on his behalf and the people of Israel. It says, after this, the armies of the Moabites, the Ammonites, and some of the Menuites and Parasites and the Cellulites and all the other ites. My gosh, how many ites can there possibly be? There's a lot of ites, man. So, a lot of ites there. And they're all coming down. They're all coming down and they're declaring war on Jehoshaphat. You ever felt like the whole world was declaring war on you? Like you couldn't catch it, but like your, your whole life was just a really bad country and western song. You know what I mean? My house is falling apart. My spouse has done left me. My truck broke down and my dog left. And all, I mean, just whatever bad can happen to you. See, I just proved I can make a joyful noise to the Lord. Did it for all of you right there. So all this stuff is happening, crashing down on him all at once. All at once. Now, there's some people in here right now, you feel like that in your life. You feel like you can't get traction in relationships. You can't get traction financially. You can't get traction at work, in your home. You're having trouble with your spouse. You can't get your children to respect you or listen to you. You feel like everywhere you turn, it's like there's this friction and things are not going the way that they're supposed to. Well, when you're in a season of life where it seems like everything is bad everywhere, that's a good earmark that the enemy is busy trying to do some stuff in your life. And so it's good to pay attention. So Jehoshaphat's in this situation, and here come the messengers. And they tell him, a vast army from Edom is marching uh, against you from beyond the Dead Sea, and they're already at, I'm going to call it H-Town, because some of these towns listed in the Bible are just weird. Hazazan, Tamar, I mean, really, come on, H-Town sounds a whole lot better. So they're coming from everywhere. Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and begged the Lord for guidance. I want to point out something real quick. Like, Jehoshaphat, he had a legit response to this. If you had armies coming at you, and they, didn't, they weren't coming to have coffee and just talk about life, they don't want to take him out, right? So, yeah, armies coming at you, I would be scared a little bit too. But in spite of his initial emotional response, he does what you're supposed to do. He goes to the Lord. He goes to the Lord. And he begged for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. Smart move. So the people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. Why did they come to Jerusalem? Why did they come to Jerusalem? Well, there's a couple of reasons. One, <laughs> that, that's where the king was. That's where the armies were going to be. That's where you're going to be safe. You got all these armies coming in. That's a safe place to be. But secondly, because that's where the temple was. Jehoshaphat turned to the Lord. The people, the country came to the Lord, the temple, to seek his face. To seek his face. Anytime you're going through a season of spiritual warfare, you're always going to be best in the presence of God. You're always going to be safest in the presence of God. And here's the first principle we can pull out of this this morning is that worship removes worry. Worship removes worry. Look at what happens here in 2 Chronicles um, chapter 20. We're going to go down to verse 5. It's Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem, and in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord. So where were they? They were at the temple of the Lord. So he prayed, O God, or O Lord God of our ancestors. Now look at how he words this. You alone are the God who is in heaven. 
You are the ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. Now he's praying, but he's worshiping God in his prayer. And he's talking God up big. He's talking God up big. He says, listen, uh, you're the God of heaven. You're the only one. You're ruler of the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. Listen, worship removes worry because worship puts your focus on the solution to all the problems that you're facing in your life. He began to worship the Lord and said, God, you're in control of all of this. You're the Lord God of heaven. You rule over the earth. Nothing can stand against you. When you begin to put your focus on God and you're reminded of what he can do, and better yet, when you begin to look back and see what he's done in your life and the victories that he's brought you through time and time again, worry begins to melt because you realize how powerful the God that you serve is. Can I get an amen in here? We serve a powerful, powerful God. We serve a powerful God. So the first thing Jehoshaphat did was begin to look to him. And the first thing that we do when we're going through difficult times and when this feels like the world is crashing in is we get at the feet of God and we put our focus on him and we get reminded that there ain't nothing walking on this earth right now that can touch the God that we serve. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. That's not going to change ever. He's in charge of it all. He's in charge of it all. I don't care what kind of laws they pass or how big they talk or what kind of names they call you. At the end of the day, God is still God. And if you're under the shadow of his wing, it doesn't matter because you know that he's got your back. Amen? We serve a powerful, powerful God. So Jehoshaphat turns to the Lord and worship begins to remove the worry. And look what happens here. Um, it it, it, it kind of reinforces when you put that focus back on him, it reinforces who God is and worship establishes God's leadership in our heart. Worship establishes God's leadership in our heart. It brings us back in alignment, in alignment to him and reminds us that he's in charge of not just everything, but he is Lord of our lives, amen? When we're worshiping him, it puts us back in alignment to his authority, his authority. You ever seen those nature shows on TV. Man, Shark Week's still happening. Shark Week's already gone, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you watch those shows and you watch these, these African wilderness shows where you got the lions out there hunting the wildebeest, man, and they're prowling and the guy's talking about, well, our she-lion Chloe has been on a, been on a, a long nap this afternoon, but now hunger has motivated her to fill her tummy and go prancing about the Sahara and trying to find out whatever they say. You know these announcers, they also. And so this lion is on the hunt, and they start chasing this herd of wildebeest because they know in a panic, in a moment of pressure, one of those dumb wildebeest is going to go right instead of going left. Every time. They're like, all right, guys, here we go. All right, um, one, two, three, everybody go right. Oh, wait, we're going left. Oh, my gosh, I didn't. Yeah. And, and which one gets taken out by the lion? 
The one that goes out by themselves all the time. Why? Because they are not lined up with the rest of the herd. Listen, when you're not lined up with the word of God under his leadership, and listen, and you're trying to carry the weight of life by yourself, doing it your own way, blazing your own trail, you step out of the protection of God into a vulnerable place, and the enemy will absolutely take you out. The game he wants to play is to trick you into thinking you got what it takes to do it on your own. How's that track record, by the way? How's that track record, doing it on your own? Has that worked out pretty good for us? Everybody in the room, I see a lot of laughing and looking at the floor. Y'all know the answer to that. Man, I can mess up my life with the best of them if I want to. Just give me half a day to do what Josh wants to do and let me step out of what the Word of God says. Oh, I'll train wreck, I'll train wreck my life. My goodness. Solving our problems outside of the Word of God will never solve anything. That's why it's important for us to operate according to the Word and be in His presence through worship. When you're worshiping, it establishes God's leadership in our heart. The story continues in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Look at what happens here. It says, Our God, this is Jehoshaphat praying. He said, Our God, did you not drive out those who live in this land when your people, Israel, arrived? He's reminding God of what he's done here. He says, and, and did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Now he's reminding God of his covenant to them. Your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. And they said, whenever we are faced, look at this, whenever we are faced with any calamity such as war, plague, or famine. What's going on in the world right now? My goodness gracious, we got wars, plagues, and famines. Anytime we're faced with calamities like this, we can come to stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We can cry out to you to save us, and you will hear us and rescue us. The worship of the people put them in alignment with the leadership of God. What he said was, hey, you got this. We know you got this. We're here waiting for you to keep your word. We're not going to try to do this on our own. We're reminding you of what you said you would do, and we're trusting you to do it. My goodness gracious. It's powerful. It was powerful. And while they were standing there, check this out. In, in verse 13, I thought this was interesting. It says, as all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives, and children... He was saying all of this to the people, but the men were there in a position of leadership over their household at the temple before the Lord, seeking his guidance on what the next step was. Men, we need you to lead. We need you to lead strong, and we need you to lead strong in worship. We need you to lead strong in worship. It's funny because women naturally connect better to worship than men. Women are more expressive, they say. Men are less expressive, naturally. But let me ask you something. Um, men are a lot of things naturally. Okay? And the Word of God gives us a better standard of how we're to conduct ourselves. You understand? So we take our natural state and we conform it to what the Word of God says we should do and who we should be. Amen? Oh, that was weak. That was weak. I'm, I'm going to let the ladies say amen for you guys. I don't, I don't want to shame you at this morning, but I'm just saying we, we conform to the Word of God. We conform to the Word of God. 
conform to the word of God. Listen, you men were created in the image of God. Okay? You were created to worship. Listen to me. Therefore, therefore, you could not possibly be any more manly than when you're doing what you were created and worshiping the God that created you. I'm telling you right now. Controlled, reserved worship is a learned behavior. It's a learned behavior. God wants us to worship him passionately with all that we are. All that we are. And, and I get it because in church we haven't done a whole lot to help men out with worship. Let me read you some lyrics to what was a really popular worship song several years back. Um, y- y'all ever heard this song, The More I Seek You? Y'all ever heard that song? Hey, really good worship song for women's nights. It's great. Here's the chorus. Guys, tell me if this rings true in your heart. I want to sit at your feet, drink from the cup in your hand, lay back against you and breathe, feel your heartbeat. This love is so deep, it's more than I can stand. I melt in your peace, it's overwhelming. I'm a guy. I ain't singing nothing like this. It's just weird. It's just weird if you're a guy. Now, if you're, it, it was obviously written probably by a woman. Um, it would be great on Women of Valor nights here at the church. Listen, we're not going to do that song here in the sanctuary. Why? Because it's going to alienate most of the men. Why? Because uh, that's definitely, a, well, let's sit at your feet. Well, that's cool. Drink from the cup in your hand. Lay back against you and breathe. Fill your heart. Man, that's just weird as a guy, isn't it? Just weird. Let's just be honest. That's just weird as a guy. It's kind of written in an, in an in a effeminate kind of way. And so guys have difficulty connecting with that. That's why we do our best to have worship songs in here that aren't that. Those songs have their place, but not in corporate worship where there's guys here. I get that because most guys, when... When, they, when you talk about worship, because of, of songs like that and the way things are portrayed and because of our inexperience a lot of times in church, when we think about worship, we think about this right here, this guy in this photo. We think worship is this. Oh, y'all can go ahead and laugh a little bit if you want to. You know, worship is this. We're going to put on our tights and just flow and worship the Lord, and it's going to be great. And not that that doesn't take a lot of work to be a dancer, but in our minds, ballet, guys, does that hit the top ten on, like, your most manly things you want to do? You know what I'm saying? So, so a lot of times, our mental picture about worship is this, because we see a lot of women getting engaged with it, and guys like me challenging you to, but the overall feel is, man, this is not natural, it's awkward. These words are kind of weird sometimes in these songs, and I'm just not connecting with all of this, but I'm here to tell you, gentlemen, according to the Bible, when we worship the Lord, we look more like this right here. This is what we look like. We are warriors doing battle. When we worship the Lord, guys, we look a lot like this picture right here. We're special forces trying to take somebody out. The picture's going to hit sometime this year, I'm sure. There we go. All right, there we go. That's worship. That's worship. Because worship is warfare. Worship is warfare. Worship puts your focus back on the Lord. It puts him in position of authority in your life. When you do worship, powerful stuff happens because worship prepares us for battle. Worship prepares us for battle. Look at what happens here. 
2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 18. It says, Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground. If you were a king, you did not bow low with your face to the ground. People bow before you. For a king to do this is incredibly humbling to do. So he gets down in the presence of God, face on the ground. And the reason why is because when they were there, praying and worshiping the Lord, the Lord spoke to the people of Israel, and this is what he said. He said, hey, uh, I'm paraphrasing. I'm here. I've got your back. You guys go ahead and line up and march out for the battle, but the battle you won't have to fight. I've already won the battle for you. The battle's already won. Is what the Lord told the people. So they're beginning to worship God on a different level here. A different level here. And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites from the clans of the Kays <laughs> stood to praise the Lord and the God of Israel with a very loud shout. With a very loud shout. So they just got this word from the Lord. I've heard your praise and worship. I've heard your prayer. I'm with you. Line up. Go ahead and march out. You're going to meet the enemy here, but don't worry about it. The battle is already won already won. So they begin to praise God. But when we read stuff in, in the Bible, and guys, I want, you, I want you to pay attention to this. When we read this, and it says that the Levites, the worshipers, those were the Levites were, the priests and the worshipers, gave a big shout of praise to God. We think, yay, praise Jesus, hallelujah, I love you, Lord, thank you for the victory. That's not what they were doing. What they were doing was this right here. They were shouting a warrior's victory before God giving him praise for the battle that had just been won on their behalf. Men, when we worship God, this is what we look like. When we give praise to God, this is what we look like. We're praising him for the battles and the victories that he's given us in our lives. And it gets even better. This is amazing to me. Um, early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness with Tekoa. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, Listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God. And you will be able to stand firm, believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army. What? Singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. Hold up. So they're marching out to battle. I caught this in study this week, and for some reason, this just had not dawned on me. I always thought, and maybe you did too, that when the Lord spoke to Israel, I always thought that he told them to put the worshipers out front. Put the worshipers out front, and y'all go into battle. And everybody was like, what? The, put the singers out there ahead of the army? That's crazy. All those guitar players are going to get slaughtered. You know what I mean? They're going to get wiped out. But the Lord did not tell them to do this. He only told them to line up and go march out to battle and that he would give them the victory. He didn't tell them to do this. This is a move Jehoshaphat did on his own. This is next level faith right here. This is amazing. He says, he stopped everybody and then he gives them a pep talk and he says, hey, listen to me, everybody. Believe in the Lord your God and you'll be able to stand firm. 
will be able to stand firm. Why was he saying this? Because worship had prepared them for the battle. And he was operating at a level of faith that he wasn't operating at before. Listen, when you worship God and you're in his presence, you operate at a level that you don't outside of that presence that you can only get by worshiping him. And so, so Jehoshaphat's got them all together. He says, guys, listen. Believe in the Lord your God, you'll be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. And then he talked to the people. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers. The king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him. It's amazing. Jehoshaphat said, okay, well, if this battle's already won, then we don't really need to put our soldiers out there. All we need to do is line up and march and do what God said who would for us to do. What we're going to do is this. Since this worship stuff is working so well for us so far, why don't we go ahead and let's praise God for the victory before we get there and see the victory. And everybody was like, yes, let's, let's make that happen. Listen, when you are properly prepared for battle and worship and in the presence of God, listen, it's nothing for you to praise God in the storm because you know that the victory's on the way. It's already been decided on the cross. It doesn't matter what life throws at you. You know he's got your back. He's immovable. He's unchangeable. He's all-powerful. He's going to do what he said he was going to do. I love this level of faith. Jehoshaphat said, hey, Let's just send the praisers out there. Keep the big bad warriors back here. Let's send the praisers out there. And let's praise God while we walk to the victory. That's how convinced he was that God had already moved on their behalf. Oh, praise God. Man, if we can tap into that. If we can tap into that, how big of a stronghold do you think the devil can get in your heart or in your mind if you were just engulfed in a mindset and a lifestyle of worship? One day at a time, trusting God, unshakable in his presence because you know even though you might walk into a skirmish, the victory's on the other side of it. Even though you're not looking at what looks like it's supposed to be, what God promised you, you know that in all things he's working together for the good of those that love him. And on the other side of it, it's going to be okay. And all you have to do is trust God. And it ain't nothing but time until you get to the answer to the promise that he gave you. You're unshakable when you're like that. This is why worship is so powerful for spiritual warfare. It prepares us for the battles that we're going to walk into. Worship will win the battle. Worship will win the battle. At the moment, they began to sing and give praise. The Lord calls the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. That had to be something to see. They came there to take out Jehoshaphat and Israel, but they started fighting against each other. I don't know how it broke out, but I think it was probably a mama joke over dinner one night. It had to be, something like that. They just started fighting amongst themselves, and the armies of Moab and Ammon turned against the allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. After they had destroyed the, the army of Seir, they began, to, they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies laying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. And I'm here to tell you not a single one of the battles that you're fighting right now has escaped the eye of the Lord and he's not going to leave it on the battlefield. 
He's going to take care of it for you as long as you stay with him. Victory, victory, victory. I love this. Man, all, all, the, all the praise team and the worshipers, they, they rounded the corner and there it was. And here comes the army and there it was. Listen to me, you're going to wake up one day. You're going to wake up one day and come around that corner and the battle that you're fighting today, you're going to see the victory. You're going to see the victory. You've got to stay close to him, though. You've got to stay close to him because worship is key in spiritual warfare. Now, just how it worked for Jehoshaphat and the, the people of Israel, it works the same way in your life. Let me read back through some of this for you before we pray for just a little bit. Worship removes worry. Worship establishes God's leadership in our heart. Worship will win the battle every time. Because it puts us in the presence of the one who brings the victory. You know what's crazy? On the backside of this battle that took place, when, when, when the people of Israel got to the battlefield, battle was won but here's the deal the bible says it took them three days not to bury the dead three days to haul back all the plunder that the opposing army had brought with them to destroy israel many times god will use the very thing that you see as an attack as a doorway to get you to where he wants you to be. Now the question is, are you going to praise him through it? Are you going to praise him through it? Because he's worthy to be praised. Is he worthy to be praised, church? Is he worthy to be praised? Don't we serve an awesome God? He moves mountains on our behalf. He works miracles on our behalf. <laughs> because he loves us. And I'll say it again. When, when you're in a position of worship in your lifestyle heart, mind, soul, and strength, not just in the service, but, but everything you do, worship to Him. It does something in the level of spiritual warfare that you don't get anywhere else. You become just engulfed in the power of His presence and almost untouchable by the enemy. Almost untouchable. What are you dealing with in life right now? Got some battles? Got some stuff you're facing? I know inflation's got us all praying a little bit more here lately. Gas prices got us praying a whole lot more here lately. Hey, let me give you a little bit of encouragement. Don't let the world's economy and what's happening affect your participation in God's financial plan for your life. I'm here to tell you in seasons like this, the thing that's going to provide for you and your household is putting God first in everything. And he'll take care of you. But that's an act of worship to the Lord too. Are you going through some battles today? Hey, I know the solution. Step up and operate in obedience is key. You know, Jehoshaphat, he got the army together and they marched in obedience to what God told them to do. They could have sat back at the house and said, no, God, no, sometimes you got to get up and march. You understand? You got to live in obedience. Obedience, man, it unlocks, it unlocks the blessing of God and the move of God in your life like you'll never see any other way.
God blesses the obedient life. And he says worship. Worship is the key many times. So what does the enemy try to do? Let me go back. So Satan wants to remind you of your past. Isn't it amazing how in seasons where you're going through all the struggles, he begins to whisper and remind you of everything that you weren't before Jesus and everything that you did before Jesus. He wants to keep you focused on your present struggles where it's always in front of you and you lose sleep, you lose your peace because all you can focus on is what's causing the tension in your life. That's what he wants you to get focused on. He wants you to not just focus on your present struggles, but then he wants you to start relying on yourself to fix those problems. You know, a lot of us get exhausted mentally and emotionally and physically because we're trying to do so much on our own instead of letting God do what he is supposed to do. Let him carry that weight. Let us cast that burden on him. You know what the enemy also tries to do? Not get you relying on yourself. He wants to keep you from your identity. Worship solves all of these problems. All of these problems. It's a powerful tool in spiritual warfare. I want us just for a little bit. Let's just all stand together this morning if we can. Oh, I don't even have to ask for a show of hands. I know. And if you're breathing, you got something you're dealing with. Um, God gave me this message to encourage you not to let what you're going through overwhelm you. Put your focus back on the one who's worthy to be praised. Who's worthy to be praised. And I want to do that before we get out of here today. To worship him. You going through some stuff? Let's worship him. Are you facing some battles? Let's worship him. Is the enemy trying to mess with you? Let's worship him. And let's allow him to take away that worry. To remind us that he's in control. Let's fall in line to his leadership. Let him prepare us for battle. And then we'll see the victory in the battle because he's fighting for us. Let's just lift up our hands and begin to worship him. Father, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. Lord, we we worship you in this place. God, we just lift you up. We magnify you. Lord, we, first of all, we pray for our country right now. Lord, our country is so divided. Lord, our country is so polarized. Lord, there's so many people angry right now in our world. So many people hurting right now. They're hurting right now, Lord. They need you. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, that you speak to their hearts. Lord, that you draw them to you. We don't want any ill will towards anyone. Father, we reflect your heart in saying we don't want to see anyone die and go to hell. Lord, we accept the reality that you've given us the responsibility to carry your gospel to all of those people. <laughs> Whether they're in a, a protest line right now because of the decision that was handed down. Whether they're calling us names or not. Whether it's more personal and they're attacking us because of our faith. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you give us the words to say and how to say it, Lord, that you allow your church to be the light that you called it to be, especially in this season in your country, in this country, Father. 
Lord, that, that we don't stand on the word of God and act like jerks. Lord, that we don't stand on the truth of your word and, and, and carry the banner of your love and then respond with as much spite and hate as those that are speaking toward us. Lord, let us rise above all of this and see the opportunity in front of us and see the battle that's taking place in the heavens over this issue and so many others in our country. The, the answer is not another law. The answer isn't what the states are going to come up with. Lord, the answer is Jesus Christ, crucified, raised and coming again, has been and always will be. Lord, it's our responsibility to take that truth. Keep us focused on that. But with all the distractions that are hitting us right now, there's so many of us under financial pressure. There's so many of us making decisions right now. Lord, do, do we give what we decided to give to the Lord or do we pay to put gas in the car? Lord, I pray that your people, your people will stand on your word and put you first and see you provide in miraculous ways that will draw people to you. Lord, I pray that we don't grab problems and try to solve them ourselves. Lord, that we stand on the truth of your word. God, I pray that we have a heart of worship and live a lifestyle of worship to you. And in a way, that kind of solves all of it because it keeps us in the right mindset, motivation, lined up with your word, focused on you, knowing that you're moving on our behalf. So, Lord, today, if we need to correct some of that, Lord, let us correct it in your presence. Put our eyes on you and worship you because you are the solution. You are our Father. You're not just our dad, but you're the warrior that goes before us. God, we thank you for that. So in these next few moments, Lord, we just want to worship you for who you are, line up with you, and let you begin to move on our behalf. All across this place, let's lift up our hands for the next few minutes, and let's just worship the Lord.